Chapter Four of A Month on the Norfolk Broads on board the Wherry Zoe and its tender, the Tub Lotus, by Walter Rye. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Yarmouth to Potterham. The reader of the last three chapters has no doubt been thinking this may or may not be a truthful account of a sail on suffolk and norfolk rivers but where do the broads come in his complaint is just but what was i to do for a title three days and a sunday getting to the broads and three weeks and a half on them would in spite of its being strictly accurate never have done at all but i will promise to land him near one to-night somehow though just now i have to describe the ugliest part of our sail as usual the tide up the north river as the bure is often called did not suit when we wanted to get away from the bowling green so we amused ourselves by pottering about and watching the little pleasure sailing boats flit off some across Braden, and some out galston way and among them one in which sat old oswald diver since unluckily dead who was as great a sailor in his old age as he had been a sculler when young the athlete was vastly interested when he was pointed out for he had heard much in years gone by from an old brother how diver had constructed an early and heavy specimen of the wager boat partly with his own hands and had come up to london to row a match with the then great thames crack was it bone or playford of how he fell much behind at first but had stopped readjusted his spectacles taken a good look first at the course and then at his opponent and of how he then set to work caught him and won with another good sportsman too we made acquaintance who took us upstairs to a loft where was a small armoury of burnished breech-loading duck-guns with great chambers holding brass cartridges big enough to take in pounds of shot and many a tale we heard of how he had plumped his leaden hail right into a scattered lot of duck at ninety yards and gathered up a score or more we did not hear anything of the number of times he had had to sit cramped up in his little slate-coloured punt for hours in bitter weather afraid to speak or sneeze without getting a shot all the ducks he don't get are forgotten by the gunner just as the cricketer never remembers his ducks eggs a little more strolling about out-of-way boathouses where the skeletons of dead eights and fours left here to rot by some convulsion of sport hang grimly on their brackets filled up our time and at last we joyfully noticed a wherry with her nose pointing up river 
and its crew beginning to quant through the bridge utterly refusing the counsel of our men to wait till the tide strengthened we both got away under the bridge where forty years ago one of the most terrible river tragedies ever enacted took place here it was that in eighteen forty five when it was crowded with hundreds of people looking at a clown in a tub drawn by geese the bridge tilted over sideways and shot nearly every one on it into the canal-like river a nervous man or woman had better not read the detailed description of the horrors that took place i did once and i never care to go by there at night for i fancy i can see the writhing mass of dying men women and children almost blocking up the bed of the narrow river clinging so desperately one to another in their death agonies like a knot of worms that it is said that many could never be separated after death eighty lives were lost i needn't say i did not give details of the sad affair to our woman passenger whom we kept below on various pretexts while we were getting out of the very unpleasant outskirts of the town the entrance to the north river is never very savoury with its rubbish-heaped banks slimy mud a general smell of decayed fish and the luckily inimitable odours of spice island but it is naturally at its worst when the tide is just beginning to make as was the case with us for miles the river winds and twists round and about through low mud-banks sometimes varied with slanting stone walls sometimes you have yarmouth steeple right behind you sometimes one side sometimes another and really once or twice it seems as though you had changed your mind and were sailing straight back after four miles or so things mended a bit real green grass appeared on either side and real bullocks pastured on it certainly the railway and the telegraph wires which run parallel with the river all the way to Acle, and are never out of sight utterly destroy the idea of rurality but that doesn't matter for by resolutely looking due north only we saw nothing but long green stretches of marsh filled with cattle brought here to fatten from all parts of england ireland and scotland a more tantalising sight than such a lift as this would be to the ghost of a moss trooper cannot be imagined morby swim and runham swim opposite the two villages get their names from cattle swimming across from one marsh to another for years i disbelieved this but my doubts were resolved last autumn when i saw seven or eight leisurely walk in and in the most clumsy fashion it must be said get to the other bank eight miles up we come to stokesby 
a little long low village with a riverside public house here we stopped for beer for our men and having forgotten our big wicker covered bottle had to take it in ordinary bottles we all went ashore to help but it was reserved for the poet to discover an absolutely unique way of corking the bottles it was to fill the bottle and insert the cork loosely therein then holding it with both hands first to withdraw the bottle as far as possible from a flint wall and then to dash the cork end against such wall with as great violence as could be managed this had the effect of pushing the cork in most satisfactorily it had its drawbacks however for on the third bottle being thus operated on such bottle burst into fragments and cut the poet's left hand so deeply that he was a gore of blood instantly fatima however had had some experience of wounds on the other side of the herring pond and pulling her husband's new white silk neckerchief off his neck so deftly bandaged up our friend that barring he could not satisfactorily wash himself for a week and that his vein throbbed fit to burst for two days he felt no ill effects but he has no idea of patenting his bottle-corking apparatus soon after re-embarking we pass the mouth of the muck-fleet which leads to philby rollsby and ormsby broads but as one can't sail and can hardly row up it we did not see the fun of three miles mud-larking to get to broads which had no special feature of interest and which could be reached by road if they had up the hermitage cut on the left our friends would go when they learned it led up to acle where there had been a real priory in olden time so we stopped once more at its mouth how our men did grumble at these perpetual stoppages unless they were for beer and took our two jollies up as we told them before they went there is nothing to see the hermitage is only a public house though it may stand on the site of a real hermitage coming back we noticed the extreme clearness of the water which was simply filled with shoals of fish but nothing very big dodging in and out the great waving masses of green weed Fatterman was much struck with a little trading wherry which was laying off the stave empty and which he wanted to buy then and there and fit up according to his own ideas he also tried to get into conversation with an artist who was painting the nook but the paper stainer was surly to a degree and we were mightily delighted soon after to see a gust of wind blow his easel over and watch him dancing with rage over his smudged masterpiece when we regained our ships it was not long before we had to lower to get under the grey stone bridge at acle 
Akeley, the people call it, which agrees more nearly with the derivation Oakley, which is supposed to be from an oak forest which once stood here. Certainly the king used to grant oaks from Akel long ago, so I suppose there must have been a wood there, though it don't look like it now, for of all the flat riversides intersected by terribly dusty, uninteresting roads which I have ever seen, commend me to Akel. We got through the bridge and moored along the rond on the left, and having put a large and apparently fine fowl we had bought in Yarmouth Marketplace on to boil towards our dinner, we walked up to have a look at the little town, which is a quaint old-fashioned place, with a fine large church placed in the middle of great lime trees. This was the first really good church our visitors had seen, and they were highly delighted with its fine decorated chancel windows and north porch, its curious tower and rude turret, and above all, with its thatched roof, a thing they had never seen before. We found the ruins of Weybridge Priory, but as they consisted of only two or three lumps of wool cropping out of a grass field, we, with all our local prejudices, could not assert they were quite equal to Tintern Abbey. The poet pointed us out the King's Head as a house in which the antiquary and he had stayed about a quarter of a century ago and told a story to the latter's detriment of how a starling had come down the chimney one evening and had flown at and put out the candle to the terror of the antiquary who thought it was the devil in his proper person and being then Romewards inclined and given to snatches of precatory latin hastily burst into a strange mixture of paternoster and ave maria all of which story was specifically denied by the antiquary who insinuated that the poet had on the occasion in question drunk of something stronger than the castalian spring and had imagined the whole affair here by a special interposition of providence we bought a large round of cold boiled beef which we thought would do for the men but when we returned to the boat and tried to dine off the fowl and found that animal elastic and tough to a degree hitherto unheard of so that its legs declined to separate from its body or its breast to be cut by knives we gladly took to the round ourselves the liar tells the story that he preserved that fowl and having tied a rope to it used it for the rest of the voyage as a fender for which its durability and elasticity certainly admirably fitted it but if he did so i did not see it nor do i believe the story he told fatterman that the village of fishley derived its name from the lies about their catches of fish told there by norwich fishermen who come to Acle for their sport 
in the cool of the evening we ran up past the junction of the bure and thurn and turned to the right or rather kept straight on for the bure really runs into the thurn and not vice versa we kept up leaving the opening to a little broad usually called womack broad on our left it was too small to sail on so we didn't stop but held on till we saw potter Hayam old bridge in front of us backed up by the new railway bridge which the skipper would persist in calling bullock sheds from a fancied resemblance invisible to all but himself we lay by just before the bridge which is a curious one of three arches the two shore arches being very old early english possibly and we curiously explored their ribbed undersides in the jolly afterwards we strolled up to potter Hayam street blessed are they that live near potter Hayam, and doubly blessed are they who live in it quoted the antiquary sententiously but why said the poet i don't know said the antiquary and so the matter remains to this day we passed out and away the highest hawthorn hedge any of us had ever seen well over twenty foot high and had a look at the folgate inn which has a miniature gate hung over the roadway here to our astonishment the antiquary began to curse and swear most vehemently for no apparent reason but we joined in his feelings when we found that the inscription once so fine a legible proof of local dialect and which used to run this gate hang high and hinder none refresh and pay and travel on had by some gothic hand fresh from the ignorant knowledge of the board school been repainted hangs and hinders the antiquary's feelings were slightly soothed when one of us told him of a secret recent find of a big danish war-boat which had been discovered while digging a dyke hard by and which discovery was being bottled up for the present he vanished very early next morning prowling about and making inquiries trying to find out where it was but came back tired and irritated a native of whom he had inquired after an old boat having sent him a mile over the marshes to look at an old ship's boat brought up to be broken up for firewood nor was his temper much mended by being shown the remains of bastwick church ruined and shamefully dilapidated and desecrated we were at last arrived on the edge of the broad country which it seemed to us our american cousins had begun to consider a sort of aquatic mrs harris but we quieted them with a distinct promise which was duly kept that they should be sailing on one within an hour after breakfast the next morning 
End of chapter 4